Well, hello and good day, beautiful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are, you're doing amazing, and I'm sending my prayers and well wishes your way. We've got another amazing episode of the show for you today. We have Andrew Daniel on, and we are talking about awakening to your true self. So we talk about a lot of phenomenal self-development, personal development, uh, mindfulness techniques. In this episode, we talk about sinosomatics, which is something he uniquely created, embodiment, fixing versus livid, uh, living, sorry, lucid shamanism, congruence, as above, so below, why you're still stuck, uh, stopping the story, persona development, ego self versus true self, uh, being a vessel for God or the Tao, uh, the will of God, the somatic map the victim mentality bob's ladder analogy and so much more those are just some of the show notes i'm rifling off so you have a an example of what we're going to be getting into but this show is amazing it's very practical and i'm sure you're going to love it and if you do please head over to mattbelair.com and consider becoming a member you can do so for free or you can do so by donation you could also leave us a review those go a long way and ratings in spotify so that's it um if you guys also become a member you'll get access to the soul compass course which is a very clear and concise way to know your life purpose or direction very short and powerful lessons to do that and if you want a little bit more help and you want to go even deeper for uncovering your life path and purpose overcome limitations um, limiting beliefs anything like that and work on peak performance building a business you know the holistic mindset and living hit me up mattbelair.com forward slash coaching let me know what you're working on what you want to build what you need some support with and i'd be happy to support you on your journey uh that's it so the best way as always to support this show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today and let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell muscle and fiber of your being with joy peace compassion faith courage power and get ready to enjoy this amazing episode with andrew daniel hello and welcome to the mastermind body and spirit show i'm your host matt belair today's guest is an award-winning and international best-selling author and director at the Center for Cinesomatic Development. His workshops are held internationally, helping professionals see the elusive patterns that hold them back. This methodology leads the world in cinematic movement diagnostics and advanced intuition development, integrating approaches from embodiment, shadow work, therapy, and spirituality. His book, Awaken to Your True Self, is a Gold Nautilus Book Awards recipient and a number one Amazon bestselling book. Welcome to the show, Andrew Daniel. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm so stoked to dive in. Um, that's a shortened bio. I know you were <laughs> uh, working like the Alan Watts uh, Foundation and, you, and you've studied a lot of his work. The cinematic stuff sounds interesting. The book in itself, if that were your only thing we're going to talk about, looks phenomenal. So I'm stoked to dive in. Why don't we just start by uh, catching up our listeners with who you are, how you got to doing what you are today. You want the long story or the short story? Well, give me the, you know, whatever you feel. Give me the long one. Give us the details. Yeah, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> There's a lot to it. It's, it's been an adventure, Matt. It's been quite an adventure. Uh, so let me just start off with a little bit of how I got to where I'm at today. Uh, when I was young, uh, I had warts on my fingers, and that set a whole childhood uh, adventure uh, in motion. And that adventure was a lot of bullying and teasing and uh, being made fun of and all of this sort of fun stuff. So when I was growing up and going through school and sitting alone at lunch and uh, being picked last in gym class and being tripped in the hallways, all of this kind of stuff, that really set me into a place uh, for my teenager years uh, where uh, I was uh, very depressed and I was very angry and confused and afraid and in this, this sort of poor me place. And so that was sort of my core wounding, perhaps, you know, like the, the origin story, the, the wounded healer archetype. And so from there, that is what led me to start my journey of personal development, self-help, healing, uh, spirituality. And I studied all sorts of stuff that eventually led me to the work that I do now, which is Cinesomatics. And that journey of healing, of doing uh, holistic health, of cleansing, of the physical stuff, the nutritional stuff, the alternative medicine, to spirituality, uh, traditional therapy, and neurolinguistic programming, hypnotherapy, tapping, uh, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, I mean, plant medicines, the whole nine yards uh, was part of my journey. And eventually, that led me to the stuff that I talk about in my book and the cinesomatic work. So that's a, that's a, it's a 25-year journey uh, in a nutshell. Well, you know, I love that because our journey is a little bit similar. Also, we were talking about Jeet Kune Do earlier, too. Yeah, saying you look like a very young man, um, <laughs> you know, staying healthy. And so, you know, I love the teachers that you had. And why don't we just dive in with what's cinesomatic? It seems like you blended a lot of uh, high quality techniques together, you know, and you seem similar to me in the sense that when we're researching these personal development ideas, we look at shadow work and healing and embodiment and all these different types of therapies. They're all great, right? You, you, you do them all, you see what works, but at the end of the day, there are techniques and strategies that are more effective and they're more effective for more people. And it seems like that's what you did in your journey. I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit about that process and what you do with people. Yeah, so cinesomatics, let's just start off with what it is uh, because most people have no idea. It's very uh, cutting edge and underground at this point, and hopefully we're going to be changing that soon. Uh, but cinesomatics is essentially using video and movement to help people see the unconscious stories, mythologies, and archetypes that are running their life, but from within the body. And so a lot, almost all therapies, deal with the mental and sometimes emotional places. And then there's some very few that deal with uh, 
spiritual aspects. Cinesomatics is something that incorporates all of it, and the foundational principle is embodiment. So a lot of people use this word embodiment, and uh, they have different meanings and definitions of it. When I speak of embodiment, I mean these stories, these archetypes, these patterns of being in the world actually live, actually show up in the physical body. And from that physicality, we get the results we get in our life. And so one of the things that brought me to this was the fact that I spent eight years of tens of thousands of dollars of hours of trying all of those therapies plus dozens more that I just spoke about and learning spiritual concepts that actually made a lot of sense. I was like, these spiritual concepts make total sense. Abundance, non-duality, um, all of these things, Eastern and Western, esoteric, metaphysics, all of it. And some of it was a little out there, and then some of it was actually pretty reasonable. It, it made sense to me. And there was also the uh, traditional healing uh, modalities and therapies, psychology using the mind, this sort of stuff. And I had done a lot of work around healing my traumas, negative emotions, limiting beliefs. I mean, I had notepads full of all my negative emotions, all my limiting beliefs. I was going through <laughs> tapping, doing all of these clearing, releasing methods, and it was helpful and it worked. I, I realized eventually that there was no end to it. I was adding to this list faster than I was taking away from it. And I'm like, this is helpful. This is amazing. I feel so blessed to have these strategies and techniques, but I don't see an end in sight. I don't see where I can, as I say now, stop fixing and start living. I don't see peace at the end of this. I, I see learning and transformation, but I don't see peace. I don't see the end of suffering. And through that journey, I was healing and learning stuff around money, um, which is a huge part of my journey because uh, in my earlier career, I had something uh, published. And this was a course around sacred sexuality. It was called Holistic Sex, uh, published through a fairly large uh, publisher. And all of the spiritual teachers that you and I and listeners probably have seen um, and studied were also published. And so I was, I was like, man, I, I made it. Like this is this is amazing. And then three months later, after I was being after I was published, I was homeless for the first time. And then I was homeless again. And I was really, really confused because here I was learning all of these spiritual truths. Here I had been for eight years doing all this healing work and limiting belief work and all of this stuff. And I felt like I was getting wiser and wiser, but less and less functional in the world. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. These spiritual teachings, these healing and transformation experiences that I've been going through should not only improve my energetic and spiritual life, but they should also imp 
improve my material, physical, human life. And they, they weren't. And so something was wrong. And that eventually led me to, full circle here, the embodiment work, where I realized when I saw myself on video in my own body, I was like, oh my God, I don't look abundant. I don't look happy. I don't look at all how I thought I looked in the world. And so what I realized is that there was a whole other piece to, I guess, our vibration, to our set point, to how we're actually manifesting things in the world beyond how we feel, beyond how we think, and beyond our, our spiritual vibration or set point. And it's the embodiment piece, is that I knew all of this stuff up here in my head, but I was up in my head, and that wisdom was not in my body. And when I say not in my body, I mean literally the way that I moved through the world, in my hands, in my feet, in my arms, in my face, in my voice, did not match those teachings, that wisdom. And so once I saw that, and once I began that process, which involved the video, the movement, the shadow work, everything changed. Everything that I had been learning, finally I was able to get into my body to embody it and actually start seeing results manifest. And so that was essentially my journey to this embodiment piece. And what I found is that so many people who have been doing all of the work, who have been doing law of attraction, any of this stuff, that this is the missing piece. It shows and makes the difference between what we think is going on up in our head and the reality of what we're actually creating. I love all that. What it reminds me of is the idea of congruence. And I see this very often in sports. It's interesting even for my own performance where sometimes it's reflecting on skateboarding where there'll be a time where I'm on my skateboard and I'm trying to do a trick and I just get this feeling. I'm like, I'm going to do this trick now and I never land the trick. And then all of a sudden, boom. I'm congruent in my body and I land the trick perfect. And I'm like, heck yes. How come I can't do that all the time? <laughs> and, you know, and then that's just one kind of small example, but there are other examples when we're trying to grow into a person that we want to become, you hear the idea of fake it until you make it and to go, go back or there's so many ways to articulate this, but I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible. It's like the idea for sports again is, is so interesting where, you know, I know how good I am at skateboarding, but if I could get someone else's brain and put it into my body, who's a pro skater, they don't, they could work with this body and do the stuff because they, they know how they believe it. They they're congruent, they're integrated, they're embodied. And often when we're working in, you know, personal development, spirituality, we do get stuck in our heads. And then it's like, how do we get this into the body? And then you resonate with that. And it's like Nikola Tesla said, if you want to know the secrets of the world, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And you feel that with people, you feel the energy they get give off. And so how do we embody that? And so that's where my first question is going to come in. How do we, how do we get to that step where we embody these things? If we're looking at 
uh, these past traumas. And I know what you mean about the EFT thing. You know, when I was doing my affirmations or EFT, I'm like, holy smokes. I was like, all right, we got a list of 40 here. How much time do I have? Right. And I <laughs> clear my whole schedule. And that used to be my morning routine would be, yeah. you know, two hours between the meditation and the EFT and the, the, the fixing myself. And I like Alan Watts idea on, you know, the, the ludicrous nature of self-help and, you know, who was there to fix and he's able to articulate it masterfully. And I am unable to. Uh, so maybe you just want to take that bit. How do we go from, you know, uncovering our shadow self or the things that are holding us back, these unconscious patterns, right? These limitations. And then we get that piece of knowledge and say, you know what? That is right. I have this pattern. How do I integrate this and change it so that I'm actually embodied now in this new understanding? And to keep going, my apologies. You see this a lot in plant medicine where you've done it, where you've got the people, they do the plant medicine, they get the memo, right? That's the easy part is getting the memo. The hard part is walking it day to day. The memo is awesome. You know, it's in a beautiful place and it's crystal clear, but you know, when you have to change things the next day out of that state, that's where the challenge comes in. Yeah. So this is actually a great point and I've seen the same thing. And one of the things that makes this different is that you're conscious. So certain aspects of the work I do, I consider what I call lucid shamanism. So we're still walking that line between the conscious and unconscious realms, the waking state and the dream state, because that's what a shaman is. He's, he's the, the guide between those realms. And the plant medicine just, I mean, it, it, you make the choice, you're not a victim, but when you take it, you have to surrender. Well, you don't have to, but it's much easier if you surrender. It's because it's it's going to take you, right? You don't necessarily have a say. You you surrender and there's that whole process. It can be very helpful for a lot of people, especially the people that aren't willing to make that choice consciously. The issue comes in is that during that process, you're not necessarily making the conscious choices. So when we do the same level of energetic uh, shadow work, but instead of doing it while we're on a journey, we're doing it at choice, it's a lot more confronting and a lot more challenging uh, for people because you, you, when you're on these medicines, you'll have these visions or feelings or these experiences and you'll see it, you'll get the memo, as you said. In cinesomatic work, you get that memo through two pieces of feedback. One, myself as a facilitator, will, where, where I'm holding the space and acting and reflecting back to you, kind of translating that unconscious uh, material into something conscious. And then the second element is the video. So the, you're seeing yourself on video. And so that shadow material that you may see symbolically a plant medicine, you're also seeing symbolically in your energy field in your body, in the movement. So a few things happen with this is that it's a lot more confronting because you have to make the choice to show up and look at it. It just doesn't take you. I don't force you. You make the choice. And, but the benefit from this is that when you make that choice consciously, you get all of the wisdom. You get all of the learning. You at, you're actually integrating it as part of the process rather than something you have to do afterwards. Wow. Well, that's, that's really fascinating. And 
I can say that the video review is an interesting element to add because a lot of times if you're working with people in sports performance is very easy. They, they, you know, you can see what's happening in the sports, you know, what they wanted to do and what actually <coughs> happened. So it's very easy. Now you can couple that over to speaking. Most people are very afraid, but then also if you're um, in a public setting, right. And all these different other avenues, if you were to see what you look like, what, what your friends saw, what other people saw, you would get so much feedback on what you were actually putting out there. And I remember a long time ago, somebody told me something about, or I read it around communication. It's not what you say, it's how it's perceived. And that's the same thing with the embodiment of how you're navigating the world. And for me, I've used a lot of video feedback for a lot of things, but never in a therapeutic setting. So for clarity is the process that you're you're trying to go through like some of the limiting beliefs and some of the patterns that hold them back. And as they uncover those, then you go through another process that uh, lets them release it. Or is it just the uh, uncovering of the shadow or the, or the things that are holding them back with the video re- review allows all the information to arise so that it dissolves itself? more towards the latter. So <clears throat> the foundational principle of this is how you do one thing is how you do everything. As above, so below. Most people say it that way, but not a lot of people also say, well, as below, so above. And if it goes in one direction, it has to go in the either. And so what we do is if we can discover somebody's worldview, if we can discover how somebody's showing up in the world by the way they move, we can also, by changing the way that they move, change their worldview, change the results they get in their life. So not only is this a diagnostic tool, but it is, it is in itself also the remedy. It's also the therapy. Well, that's fascinating. Well, this seems like something that I would need to experience to fully understand. Uh, but I want to move on to, and, and we'll probably touch base on this again, to the subtitle of your book, which I think is so important, or at least intriguing. Why? Well, so Awaken to Your True Self is the title. Why You're Still Stuck and How to Break Through. And I bet you there are many people listening to this show that have been working on something for so long, including myself, whether it's, uh, you know, self-worth or, you know, having a healthy relationship around money or uh, performance or, you know, imposter syndrome in some sort of way where, you know, even recently I'm, I'm going to be doing another program and I was like, oh, I got to do these other six programs before I teach anything. And I look <laughs> and I keep a list of all the books and the programs I have. There's like so many over years and years and years, like, bro, when... <laughs> what are you just gonna, you know, you can teach, man. When, when is enough? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when is it enough? So I would love for you to speak a little bit on on that process and that idea. Uh, well, so this book was essentially, as I told you before, my my journey of doing all the self help work, all the spiritual work, which was all helpful, personal development, uh, healing, all of these things were helpful. Um, but it. N- n- didn't get me there. Like it got me somewhere. It got me to a point, but it didn't get me there. And so this book I wrote for people who have done all the work, who have done all of the things. They're, they're not beginners. They've been doing this for a while and yet there's still something. There's something still not enough. 
Um, they've reached a plateau. Uh, they haven't been able to translate their success in one area to another area. And so the stuff that I put in here is literally to help people get unstuck and break through those things. And so I told you I, I had that whole journey and it worked and then the embodiment piece and then all of these other things that actually got me unstuck. And so I wanted to put together something that for me were all of those things that even though I did all of the work already, I was still stuck. And what were the things that broke me through? And I think the easiest way is to just share some of the, 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 the concepts from the book. Uh, so I have it right here. I can just go real quick here uh, because there's a, a lot of things. So the first thing is our stories, understanding that um, it's not about telling a better story because a lot of self-help would talk about positive psychology. Let's just reframe it. Oh, you're not miserable. You're just learning how to be happy. What I talk about in this book is not about telling a better story. It's about stopping. It's about stopping the stories altogether because the story's still um, a distortion. Even if it's a positive distortion, it's still a distortion. So I start off with that. And then from there, I talk about um, the idea that we're building a persona. Uh, I don't call it personal development. I call it persona development because so many of us, including myself, was building an image. And so I talk about this narcissistic image that we build. And so we invest all of this time, energy, money, and resources to improve this image of ourself because who we really are, as you shared, still isn't enough. Maybe it's unlovable. Maybe it's broken. Maybe it doesn't have everything it needs. And so we invest all of this time to build this image out. And then we start interfacing with the world through this image. And that's where part of the imposter syndrome comes from. Because, oh, that isn't really who I am. This is something that I've built up. And the more that we do that, even if we get better results in our life, it still takes us further away from our true self. Because an image that we then try to associate, just like a social media profile, is not really us. It probably beats the hell out of being sad, pathetic, uh, unsuccessful, you know, all of these other things that perhaps we once were. And so we build up this image to reach our potential our, and, our and our ideal self. However, if it's done from a place of addition rather than subtraction, no matter how much it helps, it takes us further away from our true self. And so another concept in the book is stopping. So this work is subtractive. It's not about adding more, doing more, becoming more. Um, it's about stopping. It's about subtracting because who we are is inherently enough. It is inherently lovable. We inherently have what we need. And so going on a journey of trying to fix ourselves from that place, even if we fix ourselves, it only validates that lie. Because by fixing, it implied broken. And so it inherently just revalidates that we are inherently broken. There's inherently something wrong with us. So that's an aspect. There's, there's, a, there's a lot here. So I'll, I'll go quickly with that. So that's the basic idea. Um, then I talk about uh, being in our head 
versus being in the body, um, the, the difference between intellect and uh, intelligence. I go into a whole topic about narcissism because that was something for myself that I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea how much narcissistic behaviors and patterns I was running. And once I realized that, oh my God, <laughs> it was completely different. And that goes back to the persona, the narcissistic image. So there's that. I talk about how the idea of ascension and the, the seeking of spirituality from a place of trying to transcend our humanity only leads to more suffering because our humanity is our divinity. And by rejecting our humanity to go to our divinity is just, it just doesn't work. It's, 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 you're invalidating something that can't be invalidated. Well, then I go, well, go let's, ahead. yeah, let's, let's, um, <laughs> okay, jump sure. in there too, because I, I have the chapters of your book, um, on here and I invite people to go check them out because the book looks absolutely phenomenal. And I just wanted to kind of jump into a couple of ideas yeah, there <laughs> because there's, you know, I love this quote that says there's nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And I feel like that's what you're touching on in this idea of like the subtraction, right? It's all this addition, addition. And this goes back to what I believe I spoke on on a previous podcast was just the idea that our natural state is perfect. When when I am fully present, I am not in the story where I'm not good enough or I don't have what I need or or I am super cool and I'm the best guy ever. You know what I mean? There's no story there, whatever it is, whether it's a positive affirming story or a negative affirming story. And you have that on all sides of the scale with abundance as well, where people can be in a million dollar house and they could be believing that they don't have enough through that story. Or someone can be having only a little bit and believing that they, they fully have enough. Um, so these stories that we run are so powerful and to just nip them in the butt. So you're not in neuro-linguistic programming terms, building a bigger map of your persona or identity. Right. And that's where I feel like the work, the work is. And if people never heard of that idea before, this mental map is such an important idea to investigate because it's how you understand the world. And it does not mean it's true. It just means that's how you understand it based on your experiences, your family, your influences, what you watch on TV, what you read. It is just a map to understand the world so we can navigate the sucker. And, um, you know, so when we can let go of a lot of these ideas, we can be in the flow of life. And there's a really great book by Michael Singer, The Surrender Experiment, and I believe he's written other ones. And it's just the idea that life, I love at the beginning of his chapters, the whole experiment was let life do its thing, where I'm going to surrender to what happens. I'm going to be fully present, but it's also refraining from the story of, is this a good or a bad thing? It's just, this is happening to me. Life is happening to me and life has my best interest at heart and I'm experiencing it. So I'm going to surrender to it and I'm going to engage with it. It doesn't mean he didn't add intention and work towards things. It's just a different way to view engaging with life. And so I'd love for you to dive, uh, either respond to that and then dive a little bit deeper into what you're, what you're chatting about. And I forget what it was. That last point was really good. I want to dive deeper on that one. What was it? Well, well, one piece is I, I would take it a step further and say, you know why that you know what makes us think that we're a separate process than of life and so you know life happening to us well we're kind of happening to ourselves um, it's it's realizing that as 
um, the, uh, I believe it was in the Upanishads, this idea of tatvamasi, you, thou art thou, you're it. And so realizing that, oh, this whole thing that we think we're separate from the thing that's happening is part of the illusion and the spiritual path. You're seeking to be more than you are. It, you, you can't get there from there because you're, you're it. This is it. And that's the surrender piece. Surrendering doesn't mean giving up. It doesn't mean being a victim. It doesn't mean being at the effect. But it's letting go of the egoic control. And you're, you're a part of the experience rather than an effect at the experience, of the experience. Yes, that, I'm, I'm glad you dove into that because that's what I wanted you to speak on. And then my question becomes this idea that I've always thought about is this <clears throat> balance between surrender and intention. Um, because as, as an individual, I like the idea where people say ego isn't good or bad because you need the ego because you have preferences. We're all unique experiences. It's just how we view that part of ourselves, right? If you prefer to have chicken over pasta, that's just a preference. It's not good or bad, but you have those preferences. And if your inclination brings you to work towards with children and helping children, or you're more of an engineering mind, you develop those skills with knowing who you truly are and pursuing those passions. So knowing who you are is a very important step. So I'm curious, your idea on this balance between surrendering to being life itself, and then adding your intent to what you want to create here. Well, that comes back to exactly what you said, uh, know thyself. And we've seen this through hermetic teachings, you know, through a lot of teachings throughout history, know thyself. And if you interpret that as self being your ego self, you're in for some trouble. Uh, but if you understand that you're it, <laughs> if the process of life is you, you are part it's, it's understanding, and that, so let's back up a second here because this was very helpful for me. A lot of the teachings seem contradictory. A lot of Eastern teachings and Western teachings seem like they're in huge conflict with each other. The East is uh, about beingness. The, the Eastern teachings are your it. It's it's the right. It's more of the the oneness. You're 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 the thing. That thing is you. Whereas in the West, it's about a relationship, right? So East thoughts are you and God are the same thing. The Tao, you know, this is you're, there's no separation. Where in the West, there is a separation. You are not God. You have a relationship to God. And both ways of thinking allow us to approach life in different ways. And both ways are valid simultaneously. They just operate at different orders. So duality and non-duality, duality and oneness, they're both true. Um, so you have to be able to hold this paradox together. So what? why am I talking about that uh, with your question? Is because, well, how do you reconcile the Tao or the will of God or 
the force of nature, however you want to, to, uh, to call it, and your own desire, your own will. Well, holding it both ways offers uh, a lot of really beautiful possibilities. The, the relationship to the divine as a relationship has manifestations of so much beauty. You look at all of these religious poems, these songs, the stories, there is so much beauty. There is so much expression of the, the divine and human experience in the worship, in the expression of love for the divine, uh, the uh, being the, the devotion, the, the prayer, all of this stuff. There's also a lot of distortion. There's also a lot of dogma. There's a lot of stuff that you can get really disempowered with there as well. And then the same thing with uh, the oneness, understanding we're all one, we're all connected. Uh, it could go into nihilism very quickly <laughs> and uh, uh, megalomania very quickly. Oh, I'm God. Yes, I'm God. So worship me like God. Right? All of these things. So there can be distortions there, but there can also be great opportunity and beauty in understanding, oh, right, namaste. I, I see the divine in you. The divine in me acknowledges the divine in you. And so there's a lot of potential for beauty and possibility there too. So taking that back to intention and surrender is that if you, you can approach, and this is what I do, I approach it both ways. I'll go into the, the space of, all right, I surrender, I'm a channel, I'm a, I'm a vehicle, I'm a vessel, you know, let the, let spirit in whatever form use me, move through me. And that surrender is is amazing. I mean, when I get out of my own way and let that come through, miracles happen. And also, when I take my own will and direct it into the world, I also create wonderful things. If it, there's the alignment and all, all the right pieces there. And then, so if you take that to, the, to its final conclusion, you, you realize that your will and the will of God you're surrendering to is one and the same, it doesn't really matter either way because it's all coming from that same place. Now, the crux here, the crux of all of this is, how do you know that's where you're coming from? How do you know it's not your ego and your trauma and your distortions and your filters and your judgments and your projections and all this wacky stuff, all your shadow material running the show, or it's um, that spontaneous divine impulse. So that's that's where we end up with that. Uh, I loved all that. Wait, you got to tell Do you know how? That's, I, was, I was waiting for you to tell me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that is it. Well, and then it goes back to know your true self, right? And, and knowing where you're coming from and, and your authentic intentions and the no, i lost my train of thought there say. <laughs> um you take over and it'll come back to me okay so how do we how do we know it's our true selves yeah so it's it's there, there's a, f a few things one is through the feedback so through the embodiment piece you actually can see you actually get the proof you actually get the feedback in what you're manifesting in the world you see it in in the results you're getting how the space is responding to you, 
right? Because if you go through the world like I did saying, oh, I'm abundant, I laughed. So if you remember, you gave this example about being abundant, uh, having a million dollars or the other one. And I chuckled because that was me. I was the person that was sleeping in my car in Los Angeles twice, going around saying, I'm abundant, I'm manifesting, I'm abundant, all of this stuff. And I was in delusion. I was completely in denial of where I actually was. And so I laughed at that because that, that was me. And so that getting the feedback and looking at the actual results you're getting in your life, the actual response from the environment, plus through perhaps a technique like cinesomatics or whatever it is, plant medicines, whatever, to get that actual feedback in a specific therapeutic place, that is how you know if you're on the right track or not. You actually look at the results. Because one of the things that can happen is that you talked about the, the, the map. That map can be incorrect. And it's not good or bad, but it can be distorted. And what I've discovered is that there is both a subjective and an objective experience. So when I see people move, if I say, uh, so in, in the cinematic work, when I'm working with clients, if I say, show me a certain archetype, I'll say, all right, show me giving. And then they take their hands and pull it in and do a motion that I think for most of us would look like taking. In their head, they actually think that is giving. But in their body, in the objective experience of reality, it's the exact opposite. And so as that person has been living their life, they, in all instances, every single time I see this happen, they struggle with that particular thing. And it's obvious why they struggle, why they struggle, because what they think they're doing is not the reality of what they're doing based on the results uh, of the space. And so having feedback like this, having the awareness of what our map is in our head versus how that translates to accuracy, because we could draw a map on a piece of paper of our neighborhood and then we actually walk that map, we might find that it takes us not exactly where those roads and buildings are. So we want that accurate map. And with that note too of the map is that I've, I've discovered that we don't only have a mental map, but we have a somatic map. Our mental idea of how things are can be different than our embodied map of how things are. And so all of this stuff leads us to being able to find accuracy, being able to start trusting that that internal impulse actually makes it out accurately. And that process comes through subtracting. It comes through stopping and letting go of the stories, the filters, the, the distortions, the judgments, the projections, um, the false beliefs, all of that stuff. As you subtract all of those things, including the censoring, uh, the suppression, the numbing, the avoidance, as you stop doing all of that stuff, what is inherently there starts coming through and you can start seeing it accurately without the filters. And when you start doing that, everything that you think you're doing actually starts lining up with the results you're getting. Beautiful. I love that you, you brought up a lot of great points there and 
one thing that came to me was the idea of your work is the body's version of a Freudian slip. And if you, <laughs> if you study some of the, let's say, deceivers on this planet, people who deceive other people, and a lot of them have these very public jobs, and you'll notice slips all the time. And it's Ooh, hilarious yeah. because it's in the back of the mind and it's just what the body does. And so you're looking for that when you're doing the work. And it's fascinating where you'd have this person say, what's giving look like in their taking? It's just like so silly. And the point I wanted to make before was the idea of, of persona guided and the idea that your will and God's will is the same, your authentic will, the idea that, you know, what you are seeking is seeking you when it's the honest version of yourself, not the one that wants to impress this person, doesn't know who you are and is creating these goals and these intents based on anything but them. It's coming from an external source that, that you haven't vetted, that you haven't thought about, that you haven't really written down. There are so many people who've, who've been on this show alone that said they they reached success and they never found happiness and fulfillment because how they created that vehicle and the lifestyle around it, once they achieved the success, which they believed would make them happy, did not, right? So that was their life. That's how they lived. That's how they operated in order to achieve the goal of financial material success, where maybe there, they could have done away and, and had the, the same amount of success or more in a fulfilling way by going through and analyzing who they truly were. And that would align them up with their true nature. And I use the same analogy all the time. I got to think of a new one for the podcast listeners. But you know, when you're in the forest, if you're a duck pretending to be a goat, you're going to be a miserable duck. You know what yeah. I mean? If you're a goat pretending to be a beaver, you're going to be a miserable, <laughs> you know, animal. You got to be who you are. And then when the beaver's like, yeah, man, you know, you know what? Screw it. I'm a beaver. All the all the force and everything starts working naturally and and everything above is like, yes, you do this thing and and it works out harmoniously. And this happens in this happens in nature, and I believe it happens in people as well. I've seen it quite a bit. I think it's just more challenging to let go of the ideas of what we think we are, and also very challenging to let go of the idea of I need to be successful or make this amount of money so I'm not going to be able to be my authentic self, right? I would love to be my authentic self, but thing is that doesn't pay the bills and what would you say to that and we'll just we'll just throw that out as a question well yeah it's so i had the same thing when i was younger i told you i was bullied and teased and i made fun of and so i had really uh, bad success uh, with women socially no friends sat alone at lunch women you know i was i was i was a leper essentially for for a decade and um the advice I get, the, the advice I would get would be was just be yourself, Andrew. Andrew, just be yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, well, myself sucks. <laughs> it's not getting me the results I want. And that's what got me into personal development. It's like, oh, I can become someone else. I don't have to be a loser. I can become this new person. And it helped, right? Like the people you're talking about, well, they made money. They got success. Something of it worked but in the entire picture of it the holistic view it didn't because there was an abandonment there was self-betrayal and self-abandonment in the pursuit 
of validating or invalidating a story. And so the, the process in all of that is to subtract. It is to stop because the, the people you're referring to, that sort of strategy comes from a story. There's a story. If the story is driving the strategy, you're in for trouble. If the authentic true self is directing that, you may not get what your ego thinks it's looking for, but it's always going to lead you uh, where you need to be. And if you can surrender and trust to that, it's going to work. The thing is, is that really the voice you're listening to? Or is it the voice or is it that voice, but through all of those layers of distortion, filters, judgment, suppression, censorship, trauma, or is it just something completely different? And so the, the, the cavet with that, with the whole thing is, yes, you listen to your intuition, you follow that voice, but that has to actually be the thing you're listening to, not some distortion of it or something completely different. And the ego and narcissistic image is really good at uh, convincing us that it's the real thing. It's, it's going to sacrifice. It's going to, the ego is going to trade uh, control for safety. So you basically say, hand over, the ego says, hand over the control. Let, let me do everything. I'll give you more control in your life in order to keep you more safe. The problem is that that never works. It just, it just never works. I love that you you shared a lot of great information, and I love the car analogy. Um, I can't. I'm gonna have to rewind this to figure out exactly how you said it, but that was awesome. Like you know, if the ego is driving the car, you're gonna end up in a terrible place. And or and and you also phrase it as a strategy. So I think that that is just so well put. And I think another thing that we should touch on, and I'd love to hear your perspective on, is the idea of a victim mentality. This is so prevalent in our world today and getting even worse. And this can really sabotage our ability to be mindful, successful, enlightened, if you want to call it that, self-aware. How do we become aware of our own victim mentality or when that's popping up and we're making decisions on that, then, and is it possible to just get rid of that sucker and install a new and better operating system? Yeah. So I take a little bit of different of approach where it's not about installing a new operating system. It's stopping all of the things that don't work because uh, it's, it's built in and we have to learn how to use it and get into relationship with it. Um, but adding more strategies to not be a victim doesn't work. You're just layering a dysfunction on top of a dysfunction to fix a dysfunction. So rather than these three layers of fixing something, you just stop it altogether. And then you get all that energy back. So there's a metaphor in my book I call Bob's Ladder. That's just what I call it. And it's basically this idea of so many of us will create a negative, will walk down, will start off at zero. We're born. Perfect. There's nothing wrong with us. And then we start believing these things like, oh, we're not enough. We're broken. Uh, we're unlovable. So we have this problem. All right, well, now we're fi negative 500. So we walk 500 units down to create this. We don't, But we don't realize 
that we're the ones that did that. And so we're going around looking how to climb that ladder up. And then we try to expend another 500 units to get back up to zero, which is peace. So we've just spent a thousand units buying into a story and then trying to prove that story wrong. What my invitation is, is to stop the story altogether. And then now you're at peace. And now you have a thousand units of energy that can go into fulfilling your vision into anything else. So that's one different uh, approach that I have. Now with the, with the victimhood, this is, is, it's a really, really big thing because we look out into the world, just like you said, and this is running amok. I mean, the victim mentality and entitlement and insanity that's not only being allowed in the world, but being encouraged and manufactured in the world is, is tragic and destructive and society as a whole is in real trouble. Um, we see socially and culturally now, at least uh, where I'm at here in America, the kind of uh, results living like a victim gets, uh, not just in someone's individual life, but in the cultural um, zeitgeist as well. And it doesn't work. It uh, it just just doesn't work. So how do we get out of that? How do we realize if we're doing it? Blame is often a really good indicator if you're blaming somebody else or yourself. This is the part people don't realize. If you're blaming yourself, you're still a victim. It's not about blame. It's about responsibility. So the, the cure to the victim mentality is responsibility. And the more you respons the more responsibility you take for the results that you get in your life, the more freedom you will have. And here's the funny part, whether it's true or not, <laughs> this is the really unique thing about this is, is that even if you are a victim, even if something terrible and completely out of your control happened to you, you know, maybe like a global pandemic or, you know, tyranny or some crazy thing that's happening that you literally have no control of. If you take responsibility as much as you can for that in your own life, how you respond, the choices you make from that, you're going to have so much more freedom. You're going to have so much better results in your life than someone who's whining, complaining, and blaming, waiting for someone to come and rescue them. So this idea of being rescued is also an indicator if you're waiting for someone or something or even something up there to come and rescue you. If you're looking for self-help, a guru, uh, a teacher, a book to come and rescue you. If you're blaming yourself, your childhood, all of this stuff, that is going to keep you stuck. Whether it's true or not, I don't give a shit if it's true or not. I've seen in 100% every single instance that when we take responsibility for ourselves in our own life, we then reclaim our power. Responsibility helps you become empowered. Being a victim is someone who is giving their power away to someone else so they don't have to take accountability or responsibility to do anything about it. 
So it's really convenient. It's really easy. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not easy. Your life is really, really, really hard. And contrary to a lot of what I thought and what I see a lot of people think, the more responsibility you take and take on, the easier your life gets. And um, it's not what we think it is. So responsibility and taking ownership, radical ownership for how we respond to things and for the results we have in our life is the only way to do anything about it. Beautifully said. I 100% agree. And when I was trying to figure out what I believed an awakened person was, like a truly <laughs> awakened person, um, that was one of the points that I came to the conclusion of. They take responsibility for and accountability for everything that happened in their life, good, bad, ugly, everything in between. Because if you don't, then you are in victim mentality. You know, I had a friend who unfortunately had a tragic accident and then ended up in a wheelchair. Even though he did, he has in a pretty extraordinary life. He could have chosen to stay in victim, what was me, all that kind of stuff, and even celebrates the day that he was in the chair and says, I'm not dead yet. You know, you know, the the spirit around how he did it, yeah, was just so empowering to see because I feel like if that happened to me, I'd just be like a muck and a mess for so long. And I, you know, I might I might stay there for too long. And luckily he had some mentors to help him out and just the the perspective of because sometimes we can't change what happens, right? However, the thing that we can always control is our perspective around it or what we're going to do with it, right? This is a challenge we have. What are we going to do with it? And when I've spoken to my friends who are very, very successful, they often will tell me that, you know, you could take everything from me because the abundance and the success I've had has come from who I am. Yes. I learned how to do that. I inter- they've embodied it. So if they've done it once and you take everything, you can do it again. Yep. And they're not afraid of that. You know, they're not afraid of everything yeah. being taken away because they know they have the skill set to yeah. do it again. Yeah. And w- what I really love about what you said of that example you gave of your friend in the wheelchair is we forget that it's not just about us is that his choice to not be in that victim mentality inspired you how inspiring would it be if he was like oh poor is me poor is me woe is me feel sorry for me you're like man yeah of course i feel sorry for you well 10 years later um you know you know it's like it, it that is not inspiring what it does is it gathers other people that feel sorry for themselves. And then you get this mob and this mob of victims are really dangerous and very vile. They try to rescue other people. And when victims try to rescue other people, they're actually taking the other person's power away because they're saying, oh, you can't save yourself. You can't do this yourself. You need me. You need someone else to do it. So that's how they try to derive their own sense of power because they're not willing to do that for themselves. And so understanding that when we play small, when we act like a victim, when we play dumb, we're actually holding everyone else back because we're not telling the truth about what's possible. 
And so that's what I, I loved about your, your story here is that because of his choice, you were actually inspired. It actually moved you forward. You're like, oh my God, that was tragic. How are you grateful still? How are you? Wow. Right? You have the book, Man's Search for Meaning. All of these stories inspire us. The stories that don't inspire us are the people that are saying, oh, poor me, nothing's ever going to work. Um, it just it just isn't. So understanding that this is not just our story. It's not just our life. We're, we're affecting everyone else around us. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> I love that you brought that up and the effect that it has on other people. I think that's a, a very important point that is very seldom brought up. And so for you to speak on that, I feel like is so important because even if we are, in, let's say, I don't know, improving ourselves or trying to make a positive impact on ourselves first to heal ourselves, right? It's like the wounded healer, right? Heal yourself first. And then you can save other people. If you are out of shape and you want to help other people, first get your body in shape because now people will see what an in-shape body looks like. And then if somebody says, hey, man, I saw you transform from losing 80 pounds. That was really inspiring. Can you help me? And then you're like, yeah, you know, I would love to help you on that journey, but it was hard and they have to do it themselves. There's no way that you can then walk the miles or make them eat the food or do whatever. It's like, this is going to be your journey, but I've done it and I'm here for you uh, to support you. You know, very beautiful. And I think that this goes in the same way with mental, emotional, spiritual work with how you resonate. It's just not as obvious as the physical body, right? right? It's more of a resonance. It's more, you know, you're like, ah, you know, I don't really feel it from that person. Oh, they're a little bit off. And for me, some of the times that I've had these coaching clients come up to me and well, actually very often, and I always forget about it is because they say, you know, it's just like, I saw that post that you had and you're, you know, you're at the gym and you're just in shape. And, and that was it. Just the fact that separated me from most people is the fact that <laughs> I was in shape because I was an athlete. Right. And so if I was talking about spirituality and peak performance and personal development and have a body that was not congruent, my words are not going to be as strong because I'm not applying any of those techniques. I'm not applying any of those things. Right. And so it's an interesting thing to be in congruence, but spiritually. So what is spiritual congruence? Do you have peace? Do you have faith? Do you have contentment? Do you have the ways of being that other people aspire to have? Are you always in stress? Are you always in worry? Are you always in victim mentality? And you can't see that because most people will go around with the persona right? Oh, I am happy. I am these different things. Meanwhile, they're not. And that's where you get that spider sense because something is off. And I always invite people to trust that spider sense. You know, you see that something is a bit off. They haven't got to that level, you know, that, that they hope to be. And, and it's, it's just less subtle than the physical world. And I feel like it's so important to continue our own process to continue continue our own journey it's the best way that we can help other people is to become the best version of ourselves because everyone in your life will see that and maybe it's only the people in your life your mother your father your brothers your sisters your close friends your aunts and uncles and everybody sees this beautiful transformation and that's it you don't write a book you don't do anything about it you try, and and guess what you'll feel better because you'll actually have done the thing so your life will then dramatically improve but that's 
the most beautiful and powerful thing you can do to help others. And then if, then from that new perspective, that new vantage point, what you do to express that knowledge will be another stage of your own growth because you'll have more powers, you'll have more skills, you'll have more clarity. Want to talk on that? That's just okay. That's what I was just thinking. I, you know, yeah, yeah. I, li- I like it because I'm. I like chatting to you because it's like these deeper ideas that when they're contemplated, we can bring about more awareness and then more uh, review of where we're applying them in our own life and what we can do to really just improve, you know, and to become more aware and to apply it. So you know, we grow, and that's it. That's the point. The process, right? It's to grow. Yeah, it's growth to be. Yeah, too. yeah, and and the secret within that too is: Are you fixing or are you growing? Because mm. they're two very different mentalities that look almost identical uh, superficially on the surface, but create two very different outcomes in your life. And I talked about this earlier, right? About coming from the place of being broken and fixing and adding to that versus growing. So again, reiterating, when I talk about subtracting and stopping, it doesn't mean you don't read or heal or grow or learn. It's the intention, the place that you come from. Are you coming from this place of broken and validating that brokenness through fixing and then hiding behind the fixing so you're not living your life like I was? (laughs) Or are you at peace with all of it and then you're simply growing from that place. And so on the surface, you can be doing the same things, but those two places are completely different. So that's that's one thing I wanted to touch on. The other thing you talked about is the kind of that spider sense of that incongruency. And so that is essentially, when I talk about the work that I do with clients, it's that spider sense, but just times like a thousand. We actually create, there's actually a container of that spider sense of, oh, ah, you're, you're saying, you're authentic, you're saying you're being vulnerable, but I'm sitting here watching you and you have your guard up, uh, you're avoiding intimacy, and you're manipulating the space and you have no idea you're doing it. This is why this isn't working in your life. And so as we can become aware of how we're incongruent in our life and then shift those and then embody those ways of being to have that congruency between our thoughts, our emotions, our energy, and our body, everything starts working better. Beautifully said. Well, I love it, man. This has been a treat. I've I've really been reflecting in this episode from what you're saying and then analyzing my own beliefs and thoughts and patterns and, and seeing you know where I can grow and apply these things. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you'd like to discuss before we end the show? I think that's good. Were, were there any other chapters <laughs> and, and any other topics that rang out to you per, personally? Things well, that I you think, personally yeah, I think, were interested in? I think they were all fantastic. You know, I, I like the idea of, you know, 
being quote unquote enlightened? How do I live more in the present? And you, and you, you touch on that. So I think that that's interesting and responsibility is a, is a big piece. And I know that you listen to a lot of the Alan Watts stuff or you're integrated into his work very heavily. If I were going to ask a final question, it would be this process or idea of enlightenment, this different <laughs> consciousness, this, you know, like how do we, I think the bottom line of enlightenment if you really boil it down is somebody who is in this state of 100% total faith and certainty, you know, and contentment and these positive attributes of living. Now, when we look at the Zen stuff, it's interesting because there are these Zen cones out there, many of them, and it just talks about how you reach enlightenment, but then you come back into the world and you deal with all the worldly things. And now, as I've really just studied this, I loved Zen and the philosophy, and that's become my own conclusion. I'll give my answer and then I'll get yours, I guess. <laughs> but you know, it's it's all this myriad of life because that makes it exciting. And so with that, can we have more confidence? But at the same time, we want to grow. And, and it's just natural. When I look at my daughter learning how to ride a bike or ride a skateboard or ride the ski, it's all growth. If everything were certain, it wouldn't be very fun. you know. And I feel like it's this continued process of how we accept that uh, growth in life, you know, this, our, our growth of being uncomfortable with each and every stage, right? Because once she gets, she's turning on the skis, but then she's going to want to hit a jump. And, you know, then she want to do the next thing and the next thing. And we can see this play out in all areas of our life. And so, yeah, just be curious your thoughts on that. (laughs) You know, and I'm just, my brain just goes like, okay, like what's going on here? Well, ask the the biggest, the biggest question at the end, right? (laughs) Um, I I got maybe just a couple points. Uh, There's a lot. I mean, we can have a whole call on that really. Um, One point I love from Zen uh, first enlightenment, then the dishes. So that whole idea of, oh, yeah. And, okay, I've done the thing. I've got there. And so let's, okay, get back to life. And then there's another one where it was before enlightenment, a mountain was just a mountain. As I was awakening, a mountain was so much more. It was these things that meant this. It had all of this stuff to it. A mountain was just not just a mountain. And then after enlightenment, a mountain was just a mountain. And so these two ones really help me stay grounded um, after I've had my awakening experience of that humanity is your divinity, that this idea that being enlightened and awakened is something outside of this experience here. it just it doesn't work. And even if it was, well, then you wouldn't be here. Then none of us would be talking here. We wouldn't be having this experience. We'd already been gone. So it's completely moot. It's irrelevant. Um, so that's one element that has helped me kind of have that integration. And the second one is you talked about the skiing and the growth. I actually looked towards uh, the Taoist philosophy of the Tao is look at the Tao and you just imagine the Tao as the Big Bang that last 13.8 whatever billion years the universe has been expanding it has been going from chaos to order and so if as above is happening then 
as below gets more into accord with that theoretically and and all evidence in my life has shown this to be true that our life becomes more in accord with that uh, direction and it works so if that's what the whole universe is doing if that's what all of consciousness is doing this growth and expansion if we're staying small and being stagnant and closing off and shutting down and isolating and censoring all of these things lying our life is going to be less and less functional and this is self-evident but if you understand the self-evidence from this spiritual understanding you can transform your life you know responsibility works telling the truth works aligning with principles like freedom truth love beauty those work things like stealing murdering raping pillaging um, attacking all of those things lead to a worse life for people and going higher than that beyond the good and bad right or wrong duality of it understanding that it, it all serves even what doesn't understanding that you're suffering you're struggling your uh, victim mentality your destructive distortions the the wars and horrors and evils in the world even though those don't really serve even though that's not what leads to our better life at some level they still serve there's still a purpose they still have a reason for being otherwise they wouldn't be happening otherwise they just would not be in our existence so finding peace in that surrendering to that while doing our best to align with that will that order is really what I found to uh, the path that leads to the greatest success and peace and joy and in, in everything beautiful well I couldn't think of a better way to end the show this has all been phenomenal I really appreciate you coming on and your work where can people go if they want to stay in touch, if they want to grab the book, if they want to work with you? Where's the best place to find you? AndrewDaniel.org. So AndrewDaniel.org, pretty easy. From there, you got links to the Cinesomatic um, information, the book information, and ways to work with me. Beautiful. Thanks, man. I appreciate yep. this. This has been a true joy. Uh, I look forward to diving deeper into your book and your work, but thank you so much for coming on the show and, and spending some time with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, guys, for watching. See you in the next episode. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely amazing Andrew Daniel. I hope that you enjoyed that show. And if you did, you'll consider sharing it with your friends, leaving us a review, or even becoming a member where you can get access to the absolutely amazing soul compass course where you can know more about yourself get clear in your life purpose and direction and if you need even more help than that you want to look at peak performance spirituality mindset building the life of your dreams hit me up mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and i'd love to hear from you so thank you guys so much for listening i appreciate you so very much i hope that wherever you are you're doing amazing so let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this show wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. 
and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, faith, courage, power, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.